Welcome to episode number four of Calm History. This is a chronicle episode featuring part one of The Story of Henry Ford. I'm Harris, and I created this podcast to bring you the conflicts, discoveries, tragedies, and triumphs of history, but in a calm tone so you can just chill and relax. You can learn more about my other podcasts and vote on the future of this podcast by going to silkpodcasts.com or use the link in the episode notes. All right, this is part one of a series of episodes about Henry Ford, the founder of the Ford Motor Company. He is best known for creating the first automobile that middle-class Americans could afford. He did this by having a deep understanding of machines and a firm commitment to cost and time efficiency. In these series of episodes about Henry Ford, you'll learn how his parents, childhood interests, early jobs, and focused mindset led to his place in history. Here is an overview of this first episode. It begins with Henry Ford's birth and then continues with his childhood. Young Henry develops several curious hobbies and interests which will be useful to him later in young adulthood. Around the age of 16, he decided to skip school one day to go find a job in the city. He even found a place to sleep at night and a second job in the evening. No, he didn't tell his parents about his plan, so they had to go find their missing son. You may find the reaction of his parents to this rebellious spirit quite interesting. His first job was quite key to his future success, and I'll finish this episode by telling you why he quit that job. Okay, time to begin today's historical tale. I hope it distracts and relaxes your overactive brain squirrels. The Story of Henry Ford, Part 1, From Birth to Machinist Henry Ford was born in 1863, on a hot, sultry day in July. The oppressive air was pressing down firmly on the stifled country fields. This weather won't hold long, William Ford said that morning. We'd better get the hay under cover before night. William Ford was a good farmer, thrifty, and weather-wise. Every field of his 300-acre farm was well cared for, yielding richly every year. William Ford was soon to be a father to a newborn named Henry. But at this moment, he was not about to let ten acres of quality hay get caught in a summer shower and spoil. With his workers, they put the big hay rack on the wagon and drove out to the meadow 
William Ford worked with the others, doing a good day's task with the best of them, and proud of it. He was the owner, and they were the hired men. But on a Michigan farm, the measure of a man is the part he takes in man's work. Suddenly, they heard a clang from the great bell, hung high on a post in the home dooryard. The bell was only used for calling in the men at dinner time, or for an emergency alarm. Every man stopped. It was only ten o'clock in the morning. Then they saw a fluttering apron at the barnyard gate, and William Ford dropped his fork. I'll go. Y'all just get that hay in, he called back, already running in long strides. The men stared a minute longer and then turned back to work. A few minutes later they stopped again to watch him riding out of the home yard and down the road, urging a little gray mare to run. Going to get Doc Hall and bring him back to the house, the men surmised. They got in a few more loads of hay before the rain came. The doctor soon arrived on a horse. One of the men unhitched his horse and led it into a stall. Mealtime came and then passed. About two o'clock in the afternoon, the rain changed to a light drizzle and the clouds broke. William Ford came out of the house a little later and crossed the wet yard to his men. He was grinning a little. It was a boy, he proudly told them. What are you going to call him? One of the men asked. My wife chose Henry, he said, with a tone of approval. Well, he'll have his share of one of the finest farms in Michigan one of these days, they said. Henry was the second son of William and Mary Ford and he was later joined by his sister and a second brother. William and Mary Ford tended to the four children and ran the farm together successfully. In addition, Henry's mother found time to be neighborly, visit her friends, even care for one of them who fell ill. Mary was known to help anyone in the little community who needed it. Henry Ford grew up in this caring, loving, busy, and well-managed environment. He was energetic and interested in everything. He was curious about all aspects of the farm, but the farm's blacksmith shop interested him the most. Henry often wandered there to watch the sharpening of tools and all the metal creations and maintenance. In time, Henry was given a small forge hammer of his own to pound and shape red-hot metal into different forms. A particular and memorable event of Henry Ford's childhood occurred a few years later in his boyhood. A neighbor, about the same age as Henry, showed him a broken watch. Henry was immediately overwhelmed by the desire to take it apart and look inside. The boys took the broken watch to the neighbor's farm shop. 
having no screwdriver small enough, Henry made one by filing a shingle nail. Then he set to work and took out every screw in the mechanism. The works came out of the case, the cogs fell apart, the springs unwound. Once it was a pile of parts, he set to putting it all back together again. This sparked a fire inside him, he recalled, much later in life. He descended on every clock and watch he could find, taking them apart and putting them back together again. He also continued to spend lots of time tinkering in the farm's blacksmith shop, the most interesting part of the farm to him. Henry built several curious things in the shop, including an invention for opening and closing the farm gates without getting down from the wagon. As he progressed through adolescence, his tinkering also expanded into building forges. This includes the construction of a working forge he built in his schoolyard with the help of his friends. Once completed, they used a blowpipe and the extreme heat of the forge to melt every bottle and bit of broken glass they could find. They then recast them into strange and silly shapes, simply for their amusement. Around the age of 14, Henry Ford became interested in something new, something that finally was going to set him on his future path. Henry became fascinated with locomotives. He often witnessed the big, black, steam-powered engines roaring across the Michigan farmlands under their ominous plumes of smoke. He admired the sooty engineers who drove them and the big, bold engines. He entered the farm shop one day with a new mission, to build a steam engine. He made his own patterns, his own castings, did his own machine work. His material was bits of old iron, pieces of wagon tires, anything and everything from the scrap pile in the shop. When the engine was finished, Henry mounted it on an improvised chassis which he cut down from an old farm wagon. Henry attached the engine by a direct drive to a wheel on one side, similar to a locomotive connecting rod. Finally, he capped the hole with a whistle which could be heard for miles. He charged up and down the farm's meadow at nearly ten miles an hour, frightening every cow on the place. He had created a working mini locomotive of sorts, and now he longed for bigger and better. While reading technical journals at the age of sixteen, he learned about the big iron works and machines of Detroit. Detroit is only a few miles from Greenfield, so he skipped school one day and hopped on a train. He visited one of Detroit's largest steam engine manufacturers named James Flower and Company. 
Henry asked one of the hundred men who worked there where he could find the foreman. Over there, the big fellow in the red shirt, the man replied. Henry hurried over and asked for a job. The foreman looked Henry over and asked him a few questions. He then remembered that a big order had just come in and he was short of hands. Well, come to work tomorrow. I'll see what you can do, he said. I'll pay you two and a half dollars a week. All right, sir, Henry responded promptly. On his way out of the shop, he mused on his good fortune. No more farming for Henry Ford. He was a machinist now. He counted the money in his pocket. Almost four dollars. But he now had an income of two and a half dollars every week, which he was happy with. But even in 1878, that was a very small wage. When he found a boarding house that seemed clean enough to live in, it cost him more than his income. He went ahead and paid for the first week. He went to bed at the boarding house that night, knowing that he needed to get another job quickly. Back at home, there was a flurry of concern over the missing boy. His family soon learned that he had been seen taking the train for Detroit. Henry's father didn't panic. He knew his son was smart and capable. Still yet, after two days had gone by without any word from him, William went up to Detroit to look for him. Henry had been quite busy during those two days. He found that his hours in the machine shop were from seven in the morning to six at night. There weren't any breaks or idle moments. He helped at the forges, made castings, and assembled parts. He worked hard, but he was happy. Every hour he learned something new about steam engines. When the closing whistle blew and the men dropped their tools, he was sorry the day ended. He still needed to boost his income, though, to pay the weekly boarding costs. He looked for a night job repairing clocks, but no luck over those first two nights. On his third day in Detroit, his father found him. William knew to begin his search for his son in Detroit's machine shops. William spoke to the foreman and took Henry outside. There was an argument. William Ford declared sternly that the place for Henry was in school. Henry hotly declared that he'd never go back to school, not if he was even licked for it. I don't need school. I want to learn to make steam engines, Henry said. In the end, William Ford saw the futility of argument. Well, you know where your home is any time you want to come back to it, he said finally, and went back to the farm. Even for 1878, William Henry was much more reasonable than the typical father. Henry was now definitely on his own resources. 
Within a couple days, he finally found a jeweler who was willing to pay him two dollars a week to work four hours each night. The arrangement left Henry with a dollar a week for spending money. For several months, Henry worked two jobs each day, from seven in the morning to eleven at night. He found a use for his extra weekly dollar. He bought technical journals and magazines about mechanics. He read these in his room after returning from the jeweler's at night. Asked later about recreation during this time of his life, he replied, Recreation? No, I had no recreation. I didn't want it. What's the value of recreation anyway? It's just a waste of time. I got my fun out of my work. After nine months, he had mastered all the intricate details of building steam engines. His pay was boosted to three dollars a week. But he also began to see imperfections in its system and to be annoyed by them. See here, he said one day to the man who worked beside him. Nothing's ever made twice alike in this place. We waste a lot of time and material assembling these engines. He saw inefficiency everywhere he looked. Men were shifted from job to job to suit the whim of the foreman or the needs of a rush order. Men would be pulled off a task to go look for some tool. Parts were cast, recast, filed down to fit other parts. A piece of work would be abandoned half-finished to make up time on another order. It was helter-skelter, from which the finished machine somehow emerged at a fearful cost in wasted time and labor. He knew there was something wrong with the way the whole process was managed. Two weeks after his 50-cent weekly raise, he left the James Flower Company. Not to begin his own business, he didn't have a clear vision yet. But at his next job, something would happen that would give him an epiphany, his eureka moment that would change the future of manufacturing. This is the end of part one. Stay tuned for part two. To listen to some other podcasts that I've created, or to vote on the future of this podcast, just go to silkpodcasts.com or use the link in the episode notes. Take care.